Hello, and welcome to the Working Tools Masonic Podcast, where today will be part two of our interview with Most Worshipful Brother Julius Brown. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our opinions and thoughts are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions, either here on YouTube or on our Facebook page. We'd also appreciate a thumbs up and especially any comments on our videos. Tools podcast. We will be interviewing Most Worshipful Brother Julius Brown, who is the past Grand Master of the Most Worshipful Prince Hall Grand Lodge of Free and Accepted Masons of Washington and Jurisdiction. I'm Very Worshipful Brother Matthew Apple, and my cohort, uh, Very Worshipful Brother David Colbeth, is also uh, the two of us are past district deputies here in uh, Grand Lodge of Washington. And our our third host is uh, Worshipful Brother Stephen Chung, who is a uh, past master up in British Columbia and the Yukon. And again, we have with us uh, Most Worshipful Brother Julius. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, thank you for having me again. So I'm I'm curious, having, having I think, gotten the title right for once, uh, I, I'm curious what the end jurisdiction is. The, so most, most mainstream lodges seem to be basically a state, as you were saying at the end of our previous show. Um, what, what's the jurisdiction in Washington and jurisdiction? Uh, so we have, uh, we have a lot of military lodges overseas, uh, uh, Germany, Korea, um, Philippines, Guam, Japan, uh, and we, uh, so those are our jurisdictional property uh, lodges. Um, uh, they tend to, because the, the military bases are American soil. So, you know, if you've got enough members of your jurisdiction in that area, um, they can petition a Grand Lodge to start a study class and then and then go move from study class to um, uh, being uh, designated as a lodge, the same way that, you know, typically you would start a lodge. You start the study club and then you petition a grand lodge for, um, uh, I'm missing a word right now, but <laughs> it's been so long. Um, and, and then once you get that designation, uh, you're tenured for a year, uh, after you prove yourself, then you get that last designation. So that that one-year period of dispensation is similar to what you might call mainstream lodge. I'm curious though about the study hall idea. Uh, we, I don't think we, I've ever heard of that. Uh, I guess we might call it a club here, although it's not. Clubs are more affiliation-related, like motorcycles or firemen or you know the affinity. What do they so I call it? Affinity clubs. Yes. Uh, but what's what's a study what's a study class or study hall? Uh, just uh, when you get enough master masons, uh, you get some master masons together that want to study uh, masonry. Um, they're already master masons, and they they just want to study and practice. Uh, they don't have a lodge, in, you know, in that area. So you form a study club, and it's just a bunch of masons who get together and do you know esoteric studies, uh, do ritualistic studies. Um, and generally, those are the preformings of lodges. 
uh, the study clubs. Um, the one that we had on uh, in Swabish Hall was was uh, Jimmy Simmons. Uh, we started our our uh, Jimmy Simmons Lodge, um, study hall, and then once we petitioned the Grand the Grand Lodge, then we became a dispensated under dispensated lodge, um, and so. Once we served that year under dispensation and proved that we could, you know, adhere to all the rules and minister all the bylaws and do all the things that uh, a lodge could do, then we were granted a, a, a designation as a lodge. So typically the study club is like the preformings of the lodge. And I think you mentioned something about having to petition Grand Lodge to form the study club yes. or study hall. Is that so? It is a formal process then. Yes, yes, yes. You, you petition for the dispensation for the study club. Um, the Grand Lodge grants you that can hey, you guys can form a study club, and you know we'll acknowledge you as a study club. And you go from that study club, and you you develop your paperwork, and you and then you request from the district deputy in that area uh, a dispensation to the Grand Lodge to form a lodge. Um, once you're granted that dispensation, you serve under that dispensation for a year, maybe two. It's up to, you know, how fast it takes you to form, formulate your lodge uh, uh, paperwork and all of that. And then you serve under that dispensation and then you request uh, the full lodge status. And then the Grand Lodge will, you, typically, if you've met all the requirements, they'll grant you that full lodge status. And so that's kind of how the soldiers who were stationed here became master masons under Washington jurisdiction. Uh, they go to Germany and there's no lodge in their area. Uh, you know, there's six or seven of them. They may get together and do a study hall and just, you know, begin to study. And, you know, and then uh, if, if you find a lodge that will create some of your uh, new people in the area, make them masons, you can do that. They can, they can go through like uh, our masons were, uh, were raised under, um, Hermony Bradley in Nuremberg, and then we would go back to Swabish Hall, and we would study under our study hall. So then, when we petitioned for a dispensation, what we when we did, uh, sent for a dispensation, um, all of those members, once they became master masons, were allowed to demit to the dispensation to, to, to demit into the lodge in order to formulate the lodge, since they were already Washington jurisdiction masons. So in in a study hall, do you utilize ritual as well, or is it just getting together and maybe yes. breaking bread or whatever? Or is it you practice this? ritual work? You study the esoteric work. You study the, um, you know, the uh, three five seven. You know, all of those things are done in the study halls. Yeah. David, I think has a theory that we should maybe have some study halls that are turn some current lodges under the Grand Lodge of Washington to study calls. <laughs> You know, you 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 guys have the um, uh, um, what do you call it? The uh, classes, the um, Masonic. Uh, I can't think of the name of it. Uh, I'm I'm sure you used to have Masonic uh, classes that you would do, like study sessions and yeah. lodge le leadership retreats and that kind of stuff. We La other uh, the, the I can't think of the name of it. It's a lodge of something. Lodge of Instruction. Lodge of Instructions. There, there have been those over the year. And there are some districts that do some pretty good education systems, but they're they're not quite a, a more formal. I, I like the idea of a study hall process. As Matt alluded, I, I one of my other questions was going to be if Prince Hall Grand Lodge has an inspection process or inspection season, uh, where. We don't in Washington Grand Lodge or whatever. We don't have that process, but I know there's some jurisdictions that 
each year, and even in Canada, I think it happens too, where they'll the district deputy will go and observe the lodge, perform their ritual, whether they have a candidate live or not, or if they just uh, perform it and without a candidate. But the idea is to prove that you you can meet the criteria for dispensation or to own your charter you know can you make a mason basically <laughs> and, and that's the that's that's the uh, the district de- deputy um that's his job basically um and under prince hall it's the same we um as a district deputy in fact i wrote the handbook <laughs> for prince hall uh for washington I, I did a uh deputies conference because we have a lot of young masters who and Masons who potentially want to be a district deputy or want to be a Grand Lodge officer. And so, you know, I just gathered all of the things that I, I, I asked, you know, I gathered during my time through through the process and then all of the things that I created or plans that I put in process and I just put it, I, one of the things I do is write. So I like to put everything down on paper. And so I created the deputies conference and a deputies handbook, the deputies guide for our jurisdiction. And, um, Basically, uh, at least once or twice a year, the deputy goes visit the lodges in his area, and he sits in on their business meeting and he sits in on their uh, ritualistic work and he evaluates that. And I know as grandmaster, I wanted my deputies to make sure that the lodges were proficient in doing their work. Um, you know, we being that we're military, and sometimes things get expedited and sh- shortcuts get uh, made, and so we have to hold them to the standards. And so with that, the district deputy has very is very important in making sure that these standards are upheld and that these 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 uh, dotted lines are crossed and and you know knowing that I had to sit in at a at a uh, uh, um, word processor and type up the bylaws for for my lodge in in Germany, um, I, I expect you know everyone here to be able to you know. <laughs> knock that kind of stuff out and just handle all the business that they have to handle very easily. Things are a lot easier now to create and do, and, and you know, reports are be able to be written without a problem. So, you know, if you give them the, the, the guidelines of what you expect and what you're looking for, it's easy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you give them the guidelines of what to expect, it's, it's terribly easy in order to, you know, to, to, to give you those, to make sure that they are upholding those standards. And that's, that's the deputy's job. District, the district deputy. About how many lodges are there in the, the Prince Hall Grand Lodge of Washington and jurisdiction? Grand Lodge, right now we have 65 active. We have maybe about 12 who have gone inactive because of uh, troop withdrawals overseas, Europe, um, we have some um, troop withdrawals in in Korea, as you know, these last few years, um, and uh, that may change now. Uh, so those are the type of things, and usually wherever the troops are, uh, is where we are. <laughs> uh, Guam is pretty much is stable. It's it's you know the Navy is over there, and they're they're locked in Japan as well. The Philippines is the the fellas there are getting a little long in the tooth. They don't have a lot of new uh, service members, but they have been able to um, affiliate themselves with the Grand Lodge of the Philippines and, and actually have some of the, the our, our youth group is the Knights of Pythagoras. And some of the young men who have gone through our youth group over the years have actually joined our Prince Hall Grand Lodge uh, there, have joined the lodge there. So, so we're about, would you say about half the lodges are, are overseas and about half in Washington or is it? 
No, no, um, no. It's about uh, a quarter of them are overseas. The the main the main bulk of them are here. You mentioned inactive. Is this, is there a process for going inactive and then coming back again? Yes, yes. the the charters uh, the charters. So if you if you're at large, vis-a-vis -vis, uh, the military, and you like when my lodge uh, when my base closed, there was no need to have a lodge in that area anymore. And so um, what we did was we packed everything up and sent the charter back to the Grand Lodge, and requested that the Grand Lodge hold on to that charter until then, you know, it could be stood up again. And then what the Grand Lodge does is they never burn those charters that if a lodge UD or something start up in another area, they can take that same stick, issue in a new charter, they can issue that charter to um, another lodge. So where we started um, Jimmy Simmons in Europe, uh, once we, once it went defunct um, and, and the base closed, we sent the charter back to the Grand Lodge, and now we have a, a Jimmy Simmons in um, Korea. Is it revived? Is it the same lodge number and everything, or is it just yes. the same? Yes. That's, that's excellent. Yes. They never burn the charter. It's just, it's held on to and just reissued. Matt, I'm, so, I'm going to get a plural membership, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I do know that the, the lodge here in, um, in the one over in uh, uh Gig Harbor, I mean, in Bremerton area over there, it was two of the lodges who joined together, and now the lodge the lodge has both names. And I, I thought that was really that was really cool. I had never seen that done before. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Now I, I wanted to backtrack because you said something that uh, that kind of caught my attention. You said your your youth groups and and they had a different name, uh, so you so you guys aren't like affiliated with D Malay like. Uh, like we are? We have a, an affiliation with the Demolay, um, but our group is called the Knights of Pythagoras, um, our youth group. Um, and that falls under the the um, the Junior Warden's um, uh, programs. Uh, he's in charge of all the youth groups. And uh, I know the females have a, a different group. Um, I can't think of the name of their youth group, but they have a different youth group as well. Um, Knights of Pythagoras was a, a national program under the uh, Grand Prince Hall Grand Conference, Conference of Grand Masters. And so that's kind of the program that the conference um, has sponsored for years. And so it, 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 it kind of took off uh, the Knights of Pythagoras and the ritualistic work and all of that was developed under the conference. And um, it moved around the nation and then there was some some about 10 years ago there were some issues with the leadership of the knights of pythagoras and the conference of grandmasters and so the conference cut its uh, its ties with them and each state at that time pretty much decided to stand up their own uh, knights of pythagoras uh sort of grand uh body uh california had always been on its own i believe texas was on its own um, and uh, we were a part of the national group, but when when the grand when the conference cut ties, we started our our conference. I mean, our Knights of Pythagoras under Washington jurisdiction. Um, when I was grandmaster, all of that started to come back together, and so now we're all it's all just like uh, the Grand Lodges. They are all uh, separate in their uh, sovereignty, but they conference just like we do in the Conference of Grandmasters, and they network nationally. When you're a district deputy, do you, how big is your territory or your region that you cover? 
So we have, uh, let's see, Washington, we have, uh, I want to say five different uh, district areas um, from Vancouver uh, to um, Federal Way was all at one time District 11. And then I think a few years later, they split that up into two different districts. Um, Everett, Everett area is District 9. Um, we have a lodge in Canada, which is um, its own district. That's District 5. Um, we have lodges over in Spokane and, and uh, uh, Pasco. And so that's another district. Uh, so we've got like five different districts. And so it depends on the size uh, district. This district, District 11, Pierce County, and you know, from Pierce on down to um, to uh, Vancouver is pretty much the largest. I think there's uh, 12 lodges in that, um, in that area. And so it gives the district deputy and his assistant <laughs> a good bit of meetings to attend. And, assistant? And, yes. We didn't get an assistant. <laughs> <laughs> you, as a district deputy for this district, you have to have an assistant because there's no way you're going to make all of those meetings. <laughs> I only had five lodges. You don't need an assistant for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, like uh, Everett, Everett, uh, Everett and Ken, you know, they, they have those, those two lodges and that's that's it. So they're good. You go right across the border. He's just having problems right now, but typically he runs back and forth across the border. And, and uh, you know, but uh, yeah. Is that Evergreen number nine still up in Everett? Uh, yes. Yeah, my, many years ago, I visited them. They're, yeah. yeah. Uh, when I was a junior warden, I guess. They, uh, and I got the worst master was? You know, I don't remember who the worst master was. was I, I sat next to the junior warden of Evergreen at the time, and his name was James. I can't remember his last James name. James Harris. Bald head. Yes, and he worked, yes, he worked, at, he worked in uh, medical services, as I recall. Yes, he's, a, he's the current district deputy for <laughs> Exactly. So I, it turned out, I, years later, uh, I was at the outdoor degree up in, in Granite Falls, yes. and I sat next to him. And I spent, you know, like an hour going, I know, I know this guy. <laughs> it turns out that he was, we were junior wardens at the same time. And then we were both deputies and secretaries of our lodge at the same time. That so is it was hard working. That's a hard working man. I um when I became worship uh, grandmaster, I uh, I tapped him for deputy up there, and he was like, "Grand, I don't know, I got enough jobs." I was like, hey, <laughs> "You're the man. You got to get the job done." So let's go. <laughs> As you said earlier, when you're successful at something, you get more work to do. Exactly, exactly. Yes, he's a good brother. Yeah, he's a good guy. I'm also yes. curious. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was, I, I'm just going to ask. Uh, I'm also curious about the process for nomination as grand lecturer. I know there's a lot of jurisdictions that they have their, uh, it's a somewhat informal nomination process. Some are even more formal <laughs> uh, to be a junior grand deacon or senior grand deacon or some other station. And then there's places like Washington that it seems like a political, a little bit of a political process where whoever gets the most votes. And so I'm curious a little bit about that nomination process. So in, in the Prince Hall Grand Lodge, um, some Grand Lodges, it's an appointed position. Um, and the Prince Hall Grand Lodge of Washington, it's an elected position. And I think it should be an appointed position, but uh, that's just my personal opinion. Uh, it's an elected position and it's become more and more political over the years. And I would love to take the education of masonry away from the politics of masonry, but it's hard to do when that position is, you know, an elected position. 
So um, the nomination process is, is is just like everything else. Uh, it's 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 how your impact on masonry and who you know. Um, I think um, I think when my name was thrown in hat, I I had no um, I had I had no um, running no no I ran against no one until I got to uh, Grand Senior Ward. The senior grand warden position. I think someone. No, I'm sorry. It was the deputy deputy grandmaster was the first time that someone um, uh, nominated someone in, besides myself. Up so, until that point, I had never had. I never had to run. I had never had to. It was always. Uh, I was the only one nominated and elected. So that's interesting too, because I the, the Grand Lodge of Washington Code doesn't have the ability to technically to dominate anybody other than uh, to, or just, I guess it's to submit your availability is the proper language. There's yes. no, there's no process for submitting your availability for anything other than junior grand warden. And so and theory, you can't run for. That's what I meant earlier about your structure is more uh, in line. And I'm trying to, even now I'm trying to get our grand lodge to, to put away the petty bickering and things of that nature that we tend to go through sometimes at grand session and and they mix and match. And so because you don't like this guy who's in the senior grand warden seat, you want to slide your guy in here. And it's not the the grand body, you know, <laughs> is in charge at grand session, but when you establish a structure from the Grand Lodge level at the Grand Master and, you know, you point that out, the only sheet, seat that should be available should be uh, who's going to be the next uh, uh, senior Grand Deacon. <laughs> grand senior Deacon because that person should automatically fall in and start getting that training and move swiftly through the line without any impedance, you know, outside of death or something of that nature. Um, that's the way it should be, but it doesn't happen that way. It's, it's, it's sometimes it gets a little, I'm not going to say sometimes, most, most often uh, during my time, I was able to put a, 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 a stop to it. And it was generally just because of the way that I governed. I didn't, I didn't mince, um, you know, words. I said who I wanted to be, you know, where, and, and, and I preached that whole, the whole time that, you know, you, you, you got to stop trying to mix and match. You know, if I'm working with somebody and I'm training somebody to be to take over for me when I move on, that person should be the person that you put in. You don't want to snatch somebody out of left field and bring them and sit them in that slot. And they have no idea, no continuity. And so that's one of the things that I say that your, your structure is better than ours. Whereas though, you know, once you're in that line, you're in that line unless you <laughs> unless you really screw up or you, you know, get ill or you die <laughs> other than that. But in our case, it doesn't happen that way. Sometimes, you, you know, if somebody, if you, somebody that somebody don't like, you get knocked out of the line. I always say when people talk about things like along those lines where their masons are, are not working in unity, uh, I always say that it's like churches, you know, we're all there to, to worship God and do good things and, we're all human, and it, it uh, sometimes I, it goes astray. I have a friend that called us Masons. All we are are a church without a choir. That's, that's <laughs> <what they laughs> you guys are just a church without a choir. <laughs> you have the same issues. 
Well, so that you... depends. Up here, we have lodges that sing. <laughs> you got to cry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know so... my lodge has singing cards, but nobody is capable of taking it from that and expressing it properly, so we don't. <laughs> <laughs> so were you, were you um, I know in some jurisdictions uh, that the grandmaster is grandmaster for more than one year. Were you grandmaster for one year or two years or five years, or how does that go? Two years, two years. Two years. We, um, right. Some time ago, we ratified our charter we, uh, code to that the grandmaster could only sit for two years, and then um, um, he has to be out of the seat. Um, uh, every since then, every grandmaster has tried to run a third year, uh, except for the one that got put out after the first year. Um, I was the first one since 2004 who, after my second year handed over the reins the, the way it was supposed to be done. And I told my line, I said, this is how it's going to happen. I said, the deputy grandmaster is going to stand up and nominate me. I'm going to decline and I'm going to nominate him. And I wanted to go the same way all the way around. <laughs> and it did. And the first year, uh, uh, everything was really smooth. You know, some guys, some past grandmasters had got into the uh, deputy grandmaster's ear and was trying to get him to run against me, you know, and I told him, I say, hey, deputy, I like you. I, I, you know, we've been working together a good time, you know, and I want to see you be successful. So don't run against me because you'll lose. <laughs> and I meant that you will lose and we will lose you to the Grand Lodge. And I didn't want that. I wanted the cohesion. Um, I could have let him get knocked out. It wouldn't have mattered, you know, but I wanted to, I wanted to, to, to establish a new um, mindset of, you know, being able to put away those petty picks and toils and, and be able to just work on the programs that the Grand Lodge have, you know, and not, it's not about me and, you know, because I'm not going to get any great recognition in life you know I, I wrote a piece before i said when i get to the pearly gates they're not going to call me most worshipful <laughs> you know they, they don't care you know it's all about the deeds that i've done in life so these titles they have no real meaning you know except to us so what we need to do is be able to work together whether we're republican democrat black white gay straight we just got to know how to work together in conversation understanding and um and and listening is you know is the main thing and so i was able to con i was able to contain that during my time and um uh, right after i left <laughs> right after i left I, I guess my deputy wasn't quite as strong as i was to, to hold that together because it's uh, on his first year they just went haywire and uh yeah so now he's on his third year because of COVID, because we canceled Grand Session last year. And um, I put together a uh, electronic voting process that we would, you know, be able to do our Grand Session online. And he kind of wa wavered back and forth. And so they said we were, and then we said we weren't, and then we said we weren't. <laughs> so it's gone back and forth. And so um, I'm just thinking that we're not going to do it uh, this year and just uh, wait until next year. So, but typically it's two years. So every grandmaster, like I say, uh, served two years and then he has to get out of the seat and move on. But every, every grandmaster I said, I said myself challenged that mission. <laughs> and, and I believe wholeheartedly that the deputy of uh, the current grandmaster who was my deputy would have at the second year, had we had grand session this year, he would have done the same as I did. And, uh, 
you know, made a smooth transition to power. When do you normally hold your grand sessions? And is it in the same place every year or is it change, move around? Uh, we move around. It's um, it's in July, the first, uh, first Saturday in July, typically, second Saturday in July, uh, which usually falls. And uh, we had a commitment with Pasco. So we were in Pasco for six years or so. And I believe we still owe them three years um, for the Red Lion Inn in Pasco. Um, the reason we chose them, because they really, you know, the hotel worked with us a lot. But uh, somewhere in the process there, the hotel uh, changed ownership. And so a lot of the concessions that we had in the beginning, we don't have with the new owners. And so it became a problem. And one of the things that I recognized is that by us meeting over there every year, a lot of our overseas lodges were not coming because there's really nothing to do in Pasco. You know, you got people flying in from Japan, you know, and <laughs> you move them into this little town in the middle of, <laughs> and there's really not a lot there for them to do. They, they just stop coming, you know. It was that, that's polite. Not, not a lot to do is polite. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's so, you know, it, it got expensive. And so we were able to explain to the hotel, listen, you know, we're losing you're losing money because we can't bring the membership. And so we need to, you know, get out of Pasco for a couple of years and, you know, build up and then come back. And so that's what we were working on with these contracts. So we came over here, I negotiated to get us over here for three years and then we'll go back over there and do another three years. But by the time we go back with things may have changed. So this year would have been our first, our second year over here and we would add another year over here. And so we're still in the negotiation process. I have two kind of questions that maybe we're closer to the end here. The one of them is you mentioned that you you write a lot, and you said you wrote a piece about some ideas. And so, do you have a blog, or do you post those things anywhere? Or and and then the second is is do you have uh, as grandmaster? Do you have a project or a program that that you wanted to talk about? Um, I, my writings have been over the years as. Um, as just a I've, well, I've, I've fancied myself a writer all my life, and so I've I've written articles and things of that nature. And so when I got in in uh, in the seat, I started writing, you know, just uh, journals and things of that nature. And I would share them with um, master masons, and I would share them on the internet at, at that time. And um, over the <laughs> long story short, um, I was visiting. I was doing my grandmaster visit to um, uh, what we call feds, which is our Far East District uh, session. And so what our Far East District says, instead of me going to Japan, Korea, uh, the Philippines, and Guam every year, they all get together in one location and it moves around each year. So this year, this um, 2016, I was in um, Korea. It, it was held in Korea. No, I'm sorry, 2017, it was held in Korea. And um, the grand junior warden, the junior grand warden of uh, Oklahoma. He was a recently, um, after Derry Vaughn got out of the seat, the recent, he was a gov government uh, employee and he was in, uh, he was in Korea at the time. And when he heard I was there, he had to come to, to our district meeting. And he told me something that really it just blew my mind. I wrote a piece called um, uh, Et Tu Bruta. And it was basically in 2020, in, two, in 2004, um, and it was it was about you know being stabbed in the back and, and how you know when Julius Caesar got got stabbed by all those people, the only one that really hurt him was when Brutus did it, you know, and so it's 
uh, that and the um, what was the other one? The other piece was um, um, House Divided. And it was about, you know, a house divided masonry and so forth and so on. And then this young man stood up. He's the newly elected junior grand warden of Oklahoma jurisdiction, Prince Hall. And he told me, he showed me on his phone where he still had those articles in his, in his, and, and he shared it. He said when he was district deputy, he shared it with all his uh, worshipful masses and so forth and so on. So the, long story short, uh, I've, I've always wrote and shared it on the internet and things of that nature. And now uh, I work with the grand senior uh, for our jurisdiction, and so I do the, our, our our Washington uh, Monitor, and so a lot of the stuff that uh, I've written or do write it goes into the Washington Mon Monitor, and um, I'm posting those now on our website instead of uh, we used to print them, and now I'm doing flip pages on the website. So it's, it's at the uh, and most works for Prince Hall Grand Lodge Washington.org. So it's mwphgl. wa I'm sorry, mwphgly.org. Um, as past grand master, uh, one of the things that I, or the main focus that I, I wanted to, um, to the program that I put in place was uh, the prostate cancer program. Uh, when I went into office, uh, my brother-in-law was fighting prostate cancer and Several members of the lodge were fighting prostate cancer, and a lot of men were fighting prostate cancer, and nobody was talking about prostate cancer. And so I said, we got to start talking about prostate cancer. And so uh, it, I, I just guess at the time, everybody was starting to, you know, recognize that it was, it was killing us. And so uh, the program started popping up, and I said, well, that's where I want to focus my um, attention is on prostate cancer. And so as you see, this is No Shave November, I have uh, been letting it grow. <laughs> I don't usually be this this hairy, but um, for the No Shave November, it's, uh, you, you're supposed to take all of the the dollars that you would spend grooming. And I'm usually have a haircut. I get my haircut every week, but because it's November, um, I'm I'm taking all those dollars and I'm donating them to a prostate cancer program. And so we have our um, Prince Hall against prostate cancer program and we have our foundation which is the Prince Hall Foundation of Washington um, it's uh, the phfwa.org and uh, people can go there and make donations to the prostate cancer fund and uh, that was that was the program that I pushed while I was grandmaster and it's been the same program that I, I'll still work on and every grandmaster tends to uh, continue their programs when they get out of the seat and you know for the Grand Lodge and that's 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 my main goal and focus and push and running the foundation. <laughs> so I, I am, I, well, hey, I wholeheartedly, I was going to launch into a story, but we don't have time. Uh, support your, your efforts on the, the prostate cancer front. It certainly is a, a uh, issue that touches many of us in masonry for, for obvious reasons. Yes. Um, I, I, I have a, a quick question before we, we wrap up since time is running short. The um, can I know there are some lodges or some grand lodges where you cannot be members of more than one lodge. Can can one be a member of, of more than one lodge in, in Washington Prince Hall or no, not a uh, full fledged member. You can be an associate, but not a member. Yeah. So could a could a, a mainstream Mason like myself? Oh yeah, we have plenty of um, uh, Washington mainstream uh, associates and, and so forth, and back and forth. We just can't be a full-fledged member. Interesting. All right. Oh, 
on that note, um, a I know David will put in his in the show notes the the links to the Prince Hall Foundation and to the the Prince Hall uh, uh, website. And um, on behalf of uh, Steve and David and myself, uh, most worshipful brother Julius, thank you very much for for coming on the show. We really appreciate our our conversation with you. Can I put in one more plug, and that's for your Grand Lodge. And uh, today we had uh, um, a second, or uh, not a second, but we had one of um, um, uh, a series of conversations of, of race and um, and the and masonry, and it's it's been a wonderful session. The, the session today was just as uh, fulfilling as all of the other sessions had been in your Grand Lodge and um, Don, past worship, most worshipful Don from. Uh, British Columbia, he was there, and uh, and 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 it's it's a, it's an open conversation about race and masonry and how um, we can you know make a difference in in by using the working tools and the things that we learned in masonry and applying it to regular life and how we can make a better um, situation than where we are now. And I, so I wanted to to uh, you know commend your Grand Lodge again for uh, spearheading those things and. and and Washington itself, um, just for being the, the the type of Masons that Washington raised, and Washington, since I've been in Washington, uh, I've had nothing but great relationships, great uh, open conversations with the mainstream Masons, and and uh, uh, I, I I take that to heart. So I want to thank you again for that. Um, my visits to British Columbia and to their past masters degree that they do up there, oh uh, man, it's it's beautiful. If you've never been, you gotta go. <laughs> But um, I, I want to thank you guys and, and for what y'all for what you're doing for masonry. Well, thank you, sir. I, I, I appreciate it. Yes, and thank you for all you do for masonry. Yes, thank you. And with that, uh, thank you for turning into the Washing Tools Masonic Podcast. Goodbye.